I want you to open your Bible with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. There is an expression that is not a new expression. I don't know where it originated from. Um, I don't know how long it's been around, but I've heard it probably all my life. And you have as well. Uh, But it seems lately I have heard it uh, more than the norm. And that expression is simply this. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And isn't that a wonderful thought? Rest in peace. Summarily speaking, it is a, an expression that speaks both to the life and to the death of the departed, doesn't it? Rest. What does the term rest imply? A rest, of course, implies that one has maybe worked really hard. And so, therefore, they're ready to rest. Maybe it implies that someone has um, served really hard. And so they are ready for rest. Maybe it implies that someone has suffered really hard. And so they're ready for rest. And then rest. Rest, of course, is a word that's used repeatedly in in the text of Hebrews chapter 4. And I want you to go to this passage with me. It's it's 16 verses, and I'm going to read it. And as we read these verses together, I'm going to ask that you underscore the word rest. And this passage will serve somewhat as a springboard for our study together. Let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest... Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find, help to help, uh, find grace to help in time of need. Now, if you've marked as I have, you have um, underscored the word rest. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, at least nine times in 16 verses, the word rest. Rest. Rest in peace. God wants us to rest in peace. How can we rest in peace? How is that possible? i, I got to admit to you that this was not what I had intended to preach on this morning. I had something else in mind entirely. Uh, but I was, I was reflecting on these, this phrase this morning as I was getting ready, and I thought, you know what? I'm seeing this so much. I'm hearing about this so much. I just want to talk about it for, for a few minutes. So can I just share a few thoughts with you this morning? I want us to, having looked at the word rest in this passage, which is a passage speaking of heaven, I want us to go to another New Testament passage together and, and consider what is required for us to be able to rest in peace. And the first passage I want us to go together is, is the one in my mind makes the most sense uh, to begin a conversation of what is, it, what is required of us to be able to rest in peace. And that's Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And so, back up in your Bible to that gospel account, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And look at Mark chapter 12. And if your Bible is like mine, then you'll observe that the words that we're getting ready to read together are from Jesus because they're marked in red. Now, don't take the, the uh, editor's... Uh, don't take their word for it. You always want to look in the context to make sure this is, in fact, Jesus speaking. But in this case, it certainly is. But if you look in verse 28, we have an introduction to Jesus' remarks. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Just think about that question for a second. Which is the first commandment of all? You know, normally when you're writing down a list of things, you normally put the most important item at the top of the list or maybe at the very bottom of the list because you really want it to be noticed, right? So the top or the bottom. Generally, we think about it being at the top. I mean, haven't you made a Christmas list or a birthday list? Rebecca had in her mind that since you take a list, you write down a list for Christmas, then you might as well just write down a list for your birthday. And so, um, sounds logical to me. And don't you know that you put what you want the most at the top of the list? Listen to what Jesus puts at the top of the list. The first 
of all commandments is, you ready? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now I want you to understand that as Jesus is, is speaking here, he is certainly speaking to the Jews. Now, what you and I also understand, of course, is that as Christians, we are spiritual Israel. And while the church of Christ had not yet been established in Mark chapter 12, Jesus is speaking in terms of the church that would be established, Matthew 16, Acts chapter 2. So he is speaking not only to physical Israel, but he's also speaking to spiritual Israel, you and me today. And what does he want us to know? He wants us to know that the first commandment is to love the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love him, the Lord thy God. How much? Let's see. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. I wonder if we dug in a little deeper what we would discover. So as I look at that passage there in verse number 30, where it says that I'm to love God with all of my heart. It's somewhat of a comprehensive term, isn't it? You know, our heart, our Bible heart, is this thing up here. It's not this thing down here. Now, this thing is important. If somebody just came and removed that uh, without putting anything in its place, you'd be in trouble, and I would as well. And so if someone removed our spiritual heart, this thing here, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? And so God says, love, Jesus says, love God, the Lord your God, with all of your heart, with, with all of your mind. Okay, what is that? It is the soul. It is that peace that is eternal. It is your core. And with all your mind. All right, now he's narrowed it down. So not only your core, love God with your core, but love God with your intellect. Did you know that our Christianity is very much a logical faith? It's a logical, it's a rational faith. I spent the last 15 hours over the course of Friday and Saturday attending a residency program for, uh, for my, my degree work. And someone made the comment that passion trumped logic. And I thought, how wrong? Passion trumps logic? No. Logic can help to drive our passion, but passion cannot drive our logic. I may be passionate about something that is dead wrong. I may be passionate about something that is harmful to somebody else. Doesn't make sense, does it? For passion to drive logic. And so when we think about it from a faith construct, then absolutely, positively, our Christianity, our faith, is a logical condition or situation. And then add to that, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So your behavior. So when we look at that, and we just kind of put it all together, love God with your core. Love God with your mind, your intellect. Love God with your emotion. Love God with your actions. Love God with what? Everything you got. 
all that you are from the inside out, love God. This is the first commandment. The second, uh, the next verse, verse 31 says, and the second is like, namely, is added in the King James Version, the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So what do you have? I put this under the, under the umbrella of rest in peace. Well, how can we rest in peace? Well, we've got to love God, or we've got to love faithfully. You might say it that way. We've got to love faithfully. Well, love who? Love God first. Second, love others. Now, notice that. Love your neighbor how much? As much as you would love yourself. Now, for some folks, that's a challenge. Because some people don't love themselves very much, do they? And so, Jesus is working under the auspices that you and I love ourselves better than some might love themselves. I think about what Jesus said in Ephesians chapter 5, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. What is the extent to the love that you should have and then he goes on to say uh, love your wives as your own body so what is the extent of the love that you should have for your yourself it is a sacrificial love to put Jesus at the core the center of your life that's how much you should love yourself and so love your neighbor that much love your neighbor like you love Jesus Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, There is none other commandment greater than these. The word greater, in my study, is a word that was supplied and not in the original language. That being the case, notice what it says. There is none other commandment than these. Love God. Love your neighbor. That's it. Doesn't that simplify things? Or at least shouldn't it? What does God expect of us? Well, man, let me, let me pull out the list. God expects this and this and this and this and this and this. No. God expects you to love Him and then to love your neighbor. Those are the main points. Now, we're not naive enough to think that there aren't some sub-points to those main points, obviously. Otherwise, this book might not be the 1,189 chapters that it is. So, when we think about resting in peace, in order to rest in peace, we have to love faithfully. Jesus said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And so, it seems obvious to me that we would have to begin with Mark chapter 12. Now, there's another passage that we could go to. Same point about loving faithfully. Look at Matthew chapter 22. And you're going to see the same, the same words as used in Mark 12. This is just Matthew's account of Jesus' words. But there is an addition that that Matthew makes 
as he is writing what Jesus said. Matthew 22 and verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now notice this. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see what I mean by subpoints? Jesus, what's your sermon? Well, my sermon is love. Well, that's a topic that speaks to all of the religious world, isn't it? I, tell me more about love. I want to hear more about love. Don't talk about, don't talk about worship. Don't talk about the church. Don't talk about um, action, obedience. Don't talk about, just talk about love. I'll tell you what, I want to talk about love this morning. But I want to talk about love the way Jesus talked about love. How did he talk about love? Love God. Love your neighbor. Now notice. On those two main points, Jesus, what are your main points? Love God, love your neighbor. Those main points hang all the law and the prophets. So everything that we do under those main points have to point back to that. Make sense? So everything we do from a sub-point standpoint, <laughs> I hate, I don't want to use that word so much, but, but you understand, but everything that we do from those main points and our subpoints, have to point back to that main point. When I was teaching preacher students, that's exactly how we told them to prepare their lessons. You've got your introduction, you've got your discussion, and you've got your conclusion, and within your discussion, you might have a couple of points. Don't go crazy with your points, but you might have two or three points there. And then under those two or three points, you have some subpoints. But all of those subpoints have to point back to that main point. Right? So, love God, love your neighbor. Upon these hang all the law. Now, what's implied there? I believe that implied here is a, is a third item that we should love. And in loving this third item, it points us back to loving God and loving our neighbor. What might that third item be that we should love or have a fondness for? Well, the third item very much should be the Word of God. In fact, if you'll go back to Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, we have made some observations here before, but I think in light of this lesson, it would be necessary for us to go back and look at it again. Psalm 119. Love God, love your neighbor, love God's Word. Here you have a writer who loved the Word of God. Look at verse 24 of Psalm 119. Thy testimonies, God, your Word, is my delight. It's my delight. Look at, uh, look at verse 72. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and, and silver. God, your, your word is more valuable to me than any wealth on this earth. And we could go on and on with that, but you get the idea. Love God, love neighbor, love God's word. You want to rest in peace? You have to love faithfully. And so, how does one love faithfully? The Bible tells us in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how do you love God? You do what he says to do, right? It's, it's, it's that. We have complicated it. You and me 
right? As, as people, we have complicated things. God didn't complicate things. We did. You want to love God? Do what he says. And then love your neighbor. Well, who is that? It's everybody. It's everybody. I know, so you're on the, let's say you're on the right side politically. You can't, you ready for this? You can't hate those who are on the left side politically. You with me? All right, let's say you're on the left side politically. Guess what? You can't hate those that are on the right side politically. You have this belief concept regarding moral matters. And a belief concept that is in sync with God's Word. But somebody out there does not have that same moral uh, concept. You can't hate them. You can't hate them. You with me? Love God. Love your neighbor. All right, let's get closer to home. What about, what about our families? You want to rest in peace? You have to love your family. Obviously, Ephesians 5, that conversation begins with the love that the husband has for his wife specifically in context, and then the wife that she has for her husband. But as you go on into Ephesians chapter 6, that love naturally spreads out. And so it's a love that parents have for their children. You want to love God and love your neighbor? Love your spouse. Love your children. Colossians chapter 3. Love God, love your neighbor. What does it mean? Again, in context, in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to love our spouse, we're going to love our children, and our children are going to love our, our parents. Kids, you with me? <laughs> you got to love your parents. And then, the next item on the list is, employers, you need to love your employees. Employees, you need to love your employer. In other words, we as Christians, better than anybody else on this planet, we ought to be loving one another. We ought to be loving one another. I want to ask you uh, to do something for me. And, and, and I can't do this for you. It wouldn't do any good. I just want you to do this for yourself. I want you to be incredibly honest with yourself. And I want you to look at your social media feed. And I want you to ask yourself, does my social media feed describe me as someone who genuinely loves God and loves my neighbor? Because if it doesn't, are you going to be able to rest in peace? Now, 
Rest in peace. I've got to love God. Second of all, I've got to love faithfully. Second of all, I've got to serve faithfully. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Look at verses 25 through 36. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Knowest that I reap where I sowed, and gather where I have not strawed? Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath been given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh Uh-oh, that does not sound like rest, and it's not. Contextually, those that can rest in peace are those that have not only loved faithfully, but have served faithfully. Served faithfully. Well, how so? Look at verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him He shall gather all nations, and He shall separate them, one from the other, as a shepherd divideth the sheep and from the goats, and He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on His right hand, Come, you blessed of My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now notice, I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungry, and fed thee thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? When saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Jesus is describing those that are able to rest in peace. And those that are able to rest in peace are those who have loved faithfully, which has driven them to serve faithfully. Now, in what areas of service do we see identified here? Serving one's physical needs. Serving one's emotional needs. Serving one's medical needs. Serving one's social needs. And then in case we just left something out, it's serving all needs. That's what we see in the context. All right. We we could spend a lot of time there, couldn't we? Let's move to the last one. Rest in peace. Isn't that doesn't that sound beautiful? Jesus wants us to rest. God wants us to rest. Holy Spirit wants us to rest. I want to rest. Those who are able to rest in peace are able to experience peace 
and enjoy rest because they've loved faithfully, because they've served faithfully, and because they've obeyed faithfully. Remember? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second command is like that first one. Love your neighbor as yourself and do it because upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. What do the law and prophets say? What do they say I have to do in order to show that I love God? Keep His commandments. The last thing that I would share with you from a standpoint of obeying faithfully is nothing that I have come up with. I'm not smart enough to come up with, with this stuff. That's why I've just been reading out of the Bible to you this morning. So why would I just make this part up? Obeying faithfully means that I've got to do what God said to do to be a Christian. I, I, I can't come up with my own, and get it right, I can't come up with my own idea about how one should become a Christian. I can't do that. It would be irresponsible, it would be unethical, it would be just not right. Listen to what Paul said. Paul spoke by inspiration, by the way. I just speak based on study. Uh, but Paul had inspiration, Holy Spirit inspiration. And I, and I want you to listen to Galatians chapter 3. In verse 23. This is, this is awesome. But before faith, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. That's talking about the old law. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Now, don't, do not take that out of its context. You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It is not saying that everybody on the planet is a child of God. That's not what this is saying. Now, if by that one, one means, well, we were all created in the image of God, and that makes us the children of God, it's true that we are all created in the image of God. But it's still taking it out of its context to suggest that just because we were created in the image of God means that we are children of God. That's not what this verse is saying. But what is it saying? It's saying that we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus is what makes us children of God. Well, what, is, what does faith mean? Thayer, who is a lot smarter than me, he has, a, he has a Greek lexicon. So it's a great book that has Greek words in it and, it, and it, and it gives definitions of those words. And here's what he says about the word faith. Faith is conviction joined with joyful trust combined with obedience. Those three ideas. So we are all the children of God by faithful obedience in Christ Jesus. That's what it means. But we're not done there. Look, look at the next verse. For as many of you as have been baptized 
into Christ have put on Christ. Oh, he's put some teeth on it now. First of all, he says it's faith. That makes us the children of God. But, but what does that mean? Oh, it's, it's being baptized into Christ. That's putting on Christ. If I, there's a piece of paper up here. We're going to imagine that this piece of paper is a big whiteboard. <laughs> and I'm going to draw something. I'm going to draw a circle. And then I'm going to draw an X. All right. Can y'all see this? Okay. All right. Here's my circle. Here's my X, just in case you can't see it. In the circle, I'm going to write the letter C. That stands for Christ. Here's an X. Where would you say salvation is? Out here with the X? In the circle with the C? Obviously, salvation is going to be in the circle with Christ. But the big question is, how do I get from here to here? That's what I want to know. And so, let's just draw a couple of lines here. Probably can't see this part, but, but let's just draw a couple of lines here. Let's say that these lines represent a door, a pathway. So from my X to the C, I've drawn an arrow from the X to the C. And I, this is when it pays to be an online viewer because they can, they're closer to me. They can probably see this better. But from a, it doesn't really pay to be an online. Nobody's paying you to... But, but from the X to the C, how do we get from the X to the C? We've got to go through the door. Well, how, what's that door? Well, you notice he says, he makes this very plain. I love this. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I want to put on Christ. I want to get into Christ. How do I do that? I have to be baptized to put on Christ. How do, we, how do we rest in peace? We have to love faithfully. How, how do I do that? I've got to love God. How do I do that? If you love me, keep my commandments. As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Have you done that? Have you been baptized into Christ, thus putting on Christ? If you have not done that, May I speak to you from my heart? Please, don't leave here outside of Christ. Don't leave here outside of Christ. Please. Change your mind. Say, I, you know, I, I, I've been religious and I, I, have, I have followed this path. In my whole life I've followed this path thinking it was the right one, but... But you know, I've been challenged and I want to rest in peace. I know I've got to love God. I, I, I thought I was loving God, but I, I realized that one of the things He requires of me to do in obedience is to be baptized, to put on Christ. I understand that to be the case now. I want to love God, will you? Will you love God today? For those of you that are in here, you put on Christ. Did you know that it's possible to be in there, that is to be in Christ, 
but look like you're still out here? Do you know that's possible? Maybe you're in here. Maybe, maybe you've put on Christ, but, but having put on Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, you have wandered in your mind and in your actions. You've wandered away, and now, though you're in here, it looks like you're out here. Maybe you haven't loved others the way you should. Maybe you haven't served others the way you should. Maybe as of late, you haven't, in doing those, you haven't been loving God as you should. Can you really rest in peace? May I speak to you from my heart? Would you please repent? Would you please change your mind? And would you become identifiable once again in that circle? As a Christian? That is someone who is living and demonstrating a life living for Jesus. Rest in peace. Don't mind if I do. If you need to come to the Lord, do it now. Together we stand and as we sing.